Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Born unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let us pray. Our Father, as we look at the name given you in prophecy of old, may our hearts be warmed and filled with your spirit to praise your name tonight as the Wonderful Counselor in whose name we pray. Amen. You will notice in the King James, which uh, probably most of you have, the words wonderful and counselor are separated by a comma. I believe, and many scholars uh, believe that that probably is a mistake in the translation somewhere along the line. The comma shouldn't be there. It should be wonderful counselor. It fits well in with the rest of the statement, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And you see the reason as to why it might have been an error in putting the comma there. So he probably is not, it should not read, he is called wonderful, comma, counselor, comma, but rather he is called Wonderful Counselor to fit in with with the general text of of the rest of the verse. So somewhere in the translation, somebody uh, got a little Hebrew character out of place and thought it was a column, and probably it was not. Nobody can prove that because the original writings of both the Old and the New Testament are totally lost. There is not a single original writing of the scripture. Not a single original. All are copies somewhere down the line. So there's plenty of opportunity that man could have made uh, an error in his judgment in, in actually translating that verse or other verses. There are many counselors in the world. Almost all of the nations of the world send their greatest men of wisdom and capability of counsel to the United Nations in order that those men might sit down and devise peace for the world. Our president has around him counselors at all times. There's a National Security Counselor and and uh, various other men or women who are considered wise in some field or other that advise and counsel our president. Back in the Old Testament, the kings sought counsel from the prophets. And whenever there was a big issue involved, they would find someone to to ask and, and usually one of the prophets as to what they thought believing that their wisdom might be of proper guidance to the kings. 
I suspect all of us at some time or other have used a counselor. If you have not, I am sure that you have had need of one at some time. If you run into a legal problem, you seek a lawyer and he becomes your legal counsel. If you run into financial difficulties, there are people who are financial counselors. There are employment counselors. Some of you probably have gone to a marriage counselor, or maybe some of you ought to go to a marriage counselor if you have not. There are those who go to teachers for counseling, and that's a good place to go. When I was teaching high school, one of my responsibilities was to be the counselor uh, for the school. I soon learned that my concept of counseling and the concept of uh, uh, public education didn't quite jibe, for I learned that what they wanted me to do was to advise kids on going to college, and that's all I was expected to do, and my principal expected me to restrict my activities to counseling kids about where they ought to go to school. Well, that didn't set too well with me, so he and I didn't get along too well upon concept of counseling, and consequently the next year I wasn't any longer the counselor and someone else was. Counseling, in my mind, involves dealing with a person where they are and trying to assist them in making decisions on their own and setting their life patterns on their own decisions based upon simply uh, some, some common good counseling, some advice perhaps, but more than anything else, just the opportunity to let someone talk and out of that that person will make up their own mind everyone needs a counselor for we all have our problems i believe that a good counselor is one who is sympathetic with our pain or with our struggles a good counselor is one who is a sounding board that we can spout off to without a reprimand in return. It is not a good, a good counselor is not one who reprimands as a part of his counseling, in, in my thinking at least. He is one who understands. He is one who is compassionate. He is not one who tries to make the individual fit into the counselor's pattern of life, his concepts, his views, but rather allows the individual to draw upon the wisdom or upon the advice of the one giving the counsel and out of all that arrive at what he's going to do and where he is going. One who helps sort out things put them in proper perspective. But where do you find such a person? A person to whom you can 
divulge your innermost feelings and not have to worry about what he or she's going to think or say. When you find that person, hold on to that person, for you have a counselor. One who is wise, but one who will admit that he or she does not know it all, but perhaps can give some directions. One who will take you just as you are. One who will stay with you, whether it's good or bad. A lawyer who is a good lawyer will represent his client well even though he believes him to be absolutely guilty. Once in a while I have the privilege of acting as a lawyer, although I am not one. It's, it's quite an interesting experience. I had the responsibility recently of sitting on a three-person committee to determine if a, if a person within the health department had uh, violated the law himself in what he had done in a given incident. So we interrogated the individual and found him guilty and advised his employer that he was in fact guilty as charged. I nearly fell out of my chair when the next morning the individual called me and said, I intend to appeal this to civil service. Will you represent me? There I had just said, fella, you are as guilty as homemade sin. And he turns around and says, but I want you to represent me. I had a terrible time figuring out what to do with that particular incident. I can find only one place or only one person to whom everyone can go and find the individual who is full of love, who will not condemn, but who will understand and accept a person as he is and then gently encourage and guide that individual to where he ought to go, and that is in Jesus Christ. And I think it's appropriate that we call him a wonderful counselor because he is indeed that. He is a wonderful counselor, first of all, because he is competent. I think there are two things that makes him competent to be a counselor. One, he is compassionate. This is one of the most difficult things I believe that any counselor has to do and that is to remain objective as he deals with the individual and yet be compassionate at the same time. An individual who understands, and this Jesus Christ surely does if anybody does, one of the things that any counselor will discover in a short while in his time of counseling is that the person is going to confess his sin to him. Now that's all well and good, except that's the wrong person to confess sin to. It's got to be confessed to Jesus Christ. No 
most of us don't make good counselors. Because we want the individual to fit into our mold. There are no two molds alike. I cannot fit my life into what you want me to be. And you can't fit your life into what I want you to be. You cannot comply with all the requirements of the members of this church. So that everyone says, my, what a wonderful person he is or she is. Because we have all different concepts as to how a person ought to be based upon our preconceived idea as to how a person ought to act. If you cannot be objective in your dealing with an individual, don't counsel him because you will try to squeeze him into your own concept and he can't get that. Many people came to the Lord for all kinds of things, for healing and, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> but primarily for the forgiveness of sin. And as the Pharisees and the Sadducees brought a woman who had been taken in the very act of adultery, drug her right into his presence, and tried to pin him by saying, we found this woman in the very act of adultery, and the law says she ought to be stoned to death. What do you say? He didn't say anything. He simply knelt down on the ground and started with his finger writing in the dust. The Bible doesn't say what he wrote. But when he got done, he stood up and he said to these church people, You who are without sin, cast the first stone. If any of you have seen the life of Christ in the movie, when that was portrayed, you discovered that those righteous people began to drop the stones they had in their hand and turn and fled. For it called them their attention to the fact that they themselves were not capable of fitting that woman into their mold. And when they had all left, Jesus said to the woman, Where are your accusers? And she looked around and said, There is no man. And he said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. I don't condemn you, he said. That's good counsel. That's good counsel. So as we face our sins in life, we can find counsel as to what to do with them by going to Jesus Christ because he is compassionate. And if we attempt as his followers to to counsel someone in their life and their dealing with sin, remember the first obligation of a good counselor is to be compassionate. To not condemn, but to give counsel as to how one can get from where he is to where he ought to be 
in his life. Neither do I condemn you, he said. But he gave some counsel. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. So whatever our problems are, we can find compassion in Jesus Christ to be our counselor. Secondly, I think that we can find that he is, con he is consistent. He is consistent. We need to find somebody who will tell us the same thing two days in a row. Not something today and something else tomorrow and something else the next day, but who is consistent in what he believes and consistent in what he thinks. Now here we have human problems in that we continually change. We talked a little bit about this in Sunday school class this morning. We don't believe the same day after day after day. Hopefully we are getting closer to the truth and we're growing in our counseling. We're growing in our capability of understanding the scripture. Oftentimes we are so narrow-minded in what we think that we can't see the forest for the trees, as the saying is. We can't be wise in our counseling, for we can't see the full picture. We can't understand why a person would possibly do such a thing or say such a thing and therefore we are not good in our counseling. Today we'll say one thing and tomorrow we'll say another. But the Lord said, I am the Lord, I change not. I change not. So we can be sure in finding somebody to counsel us that we can go to the Lord and he will be perfect in his counsel. He'll tell us the same thing every day. Not change according to his own whims. The second thing I would like to note about Jesus as a counselor is that he is constantly available. Constantly available. This is one of the things that worries me about my pastorate always has and it really it at times really disturbs me in that I'm not available when people need someone to illustrate not too many days ago a lady in our office said to me I brought my lunch down and wanted to sit down and eat lunch with you yesterday, but you weren't there. I knew in the back of my mind what she was saying is, I want to talk. And she was using that as her excuse to get to me to talk. So I said, okay, tomorrow I'll be at my desk. I'm going to eat my lunch at my desk. How about bringing your lunch and come down and we'll eat? Which she did. As we talked in general and finally got around to really the thing that she wanted to talk about, as a build-up to it, she said, I tried to talk to my pastor, but he wasn't available. Not that he did not want to be, but he physically was not capable of, of talking to her at the time that she needed somebody to talk to. This bothers me. To know that any human being is limited in, in availability. That pastor could have helped that girl 
had he been capable of doing it that day, but he, I don't know, had a funeral or something and couldn't do it. She never went to him. She never went back. She never made it. She came to me. I don't know if my counsel was any good or not, but the point is, Jesus Christ is always available. Always. In Matthew 28, 20, he said, Lo, I am with you always. In Matthew 18, 20, he said, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And I want to read John uh, 14 for just a moment. John 14, verses 16 through 18, I believe it is. It points out very definitely that Jesus is available and you can have access to him at any time. Yes, John 14, verse, uh, we'll begin with verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. And I think we can easily translate the word comforter to counselor in this case. And we can, he will give you another counselor that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you counselorless. I will come to you. The Lord Jesus Christ went away in order that he might send the Holy Spirit who is always available to all people. Had Jesus remained upon earth, he would have had the same problem that I have expressed in that he would not have been available because a human being can only be in one place at one time. But he said, I go away that I might send a comforter or a counselor to you in the person of the Holy Spirit and you can have access to him, he says. Why? Because he, that is the Holy Spirit, dwells in you. So there is always the availability of the Holy Spirit. All right, how does he counsel? There are three, four ways I think the, the Lord counsels, and there are many others, but let me suggest these. First of all, the Lord is going to counsel that you go to the Scripture. The Bible is the best counsel that a Christian can have, or a non-Christian as far as that's concerned, is God's Word. If you need to have the Lord's counsel, the first thing I believe that anybody should do is read the Bible. You have a problem, read the Bible. You've got a heartache, read the Bible. You are in distress, read the Bible. You're crying, read the Bible. You lost a loved one, read the Bible. Whatever our problem in life is, the first resource that we have is God's Word. Read the Bible. 
when the two disciples were on the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem after the crucifixion and Jesus joined himself to them and they walked along they did not know that it was Jesus but finally after he was revealed Luke 24 32 says and they were speaking the two apostles or disciples rather were not our hearts uh, burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road and while he was explaining the scripture to us I believe the scripture will burn in our hearts and give us the guidance that we need for life the counsel of Jesus Christ is read the Bible secondly the counsel that he would give us is go to church I don't know why it is but I have experienced this many times when people are in need of counsel they seem to forsake going to church it's a human nature tendency I suppose to if you really are in need don't go where you're going to get taken care of don't go there seemingly is is the theory you don't want to go to church if your heart is aching you don't want to go to church if you've got a problem you don't want to go to church if you just lost your job you don't want to go to church if you don't have money you don't want to go to church if you just had a spat with somebody and on and on it goes but the very place we ought to be when we have need is in church David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We ought to be yearning to go. And there's nothing that thrills me more when, a, when some people say to me, and I've had it over the years a number of occasions, when people have said to me, I can hardly wait till Sunday. That's a tremendous thing. That's exactly the way it ought to be. You need counsel? Go to church. Something will be said in the Sunday school class. Something will be said from the pulpit. Something will happen. The Spirit of God is present in church. If you want to be in the presence of the Spirit of God, be where the Spirit is. And that's church. Okay, secondly read or uh, firstly read the Bible secondly go to church thirdly listen to a sermon I don't propose that the sermons you hear me preach are going to be such outstanding sermons that you'll remember them too long but I do know that the scripture says that God has selected the process of preaching to accomplish his work by the foolishness of preaching to save some who believe, he says in 1 Corinthians 1.21. I believe that, you, that a people can hear from a sermon the things that will give them counsel. And fourthly, I believe that if you are uh, having difficulties and need counsel, you ought to listen to the gospel and music. Now, if you don't have access to the church to come here to do it, a record or a tape or the radio or whatever but one ought to listen to the gospel 
If you want to know what I do when I have my problems, and I don't have a preacher that I can listen to uh, from the uh, sit back here where you are and get up here, I turn on the radio. And I sit there and at my desk with my feet on the desk and my hands behind my back, and I get me some gospel music on that radio, and if I can't find it, I put on a tape. Then I'm ready to tackle the tasks that are at hand. And one of those tasks is preparing a sermon. Do you ever wonder what kind of a problem it is to prepare a sermon if you are in distress yourself? Try it sometime. That's got to be erased before the Lord can actually begin to deal with at least with me, in preparing a sermon. And the gospel music that I hear is that which he uses to counsel me, to bring me back to reality, that my purpose is looking at Jesus Christ. And then he'll do the things that need done. He'll do the healing. And the correction of all those things in my life. So four things I believe the Lord does in counseling. One is advise us to read the scripture, advise us to go to church, to listen to sermons, and to listen to good Christian music. Now, let me say a couple of things about his counseling. When you go to a counselor and ask a direct question, oftentimes the counselor would say, well, what do you think? I'm not sure that that's good counseling, although I was taught that. Uh, I don't follow it too well. If somebody asks me a direct question, I might give them what I think directly. And I'm not so sure that that's wrong. But two things he will say. Number one, he's going to look for the good in you. Just like he did in the churches of Asia Minor over the book of Revelation. He's going to look for what is good. And he's going to commend you for your good. But let me tell you, secondly, he's going to expose your sin. Don't go to Jesus Christ for counsel and think he's going to soft pedal anything. Expect him to tell you like it is. And I believe that's good counseling. He is going to expose your sin and my sin. When I go to the doctor, one of the things that I expect my doctor to tell me is the truth. After he listens to my heart, I expect him to tell me exactly what he thinks. Now he hedges and fudges and does all kinds of things because he is not a good counselor. He doesn't want to tell me the facts. Until I pin him down and say, now look, Doc, I want to know what the truth is. And finally he says, what's wrong? When you ask the Lord Jesus Christ what's the matter with you, he's going to tell you. And if it's sin at your door, you're going to know it. He's going to lay it out to you. And he's going to tell you you're going to have to do something about that. And thirdly, I think he's going to challenge him. A good counselor will challenge. A good counselor will tell you what's good about you. He'll tell you what's bad. 
He'll try to challenge you, motivate you to a better life. If you don't want a better life, don't go to the Lord crying about your sins. If you don't want an upward direction, don't bother praying about all the things that are wrong in your life if you still want to go downward. Because he's not interested in that. He's interested in you going upward. He's interested in your life being better. He's interested in giving you good advice. The Lord is a good God. He is interested in our lives being good. And he will counsel us to that end. He will challenge us to a deeper faith. He will challenge us to greater achievement. If you don't want to accomplish anything for the Lord, don't go to him for counsel. There are some counselors that will take that approach somewhere along the line. Look, I've done all I can do for you. If you don't want to do anything for yourself, there's not much more I can do. The Lord will tell you, look, the way is up. Your faith needs to be deepened and you need to be accomplishing more. And he'll try to get you to do it. When you have gone to the Lord, you have gone to the greatest counselor on earth. One who loves you, who is very compassionate, sympathetic, who is understanding, who is consistent, and who is always available. Do you need counsel? Two things I would say. You, everyone, needs someone, some human being to whom you can go and pour your guts out and not be afraid of what might be said. Now, I believe that earnestly. Find that person. Find that person that is your best counselor who loves you just the same. But when that counselor has gone as far as he can go, remember, there's a greater counselor, and it's Jesus Christ, and he's always available. And you can pour your heart out to him. He'll understand, and he'll say, I do not condemn, but go and sin no more. Let's try better. Who will accept your, uh, your, your asking for forgiveness and forgive your sins? Be your best friend. I think the best, the best counselor in the world is the best friend in the world. And that's Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.